0: Be the
1: love, beyond toleration, be the love. Before pride and exaltation, be the love,
0: be the love, be the hope. For the you are listening the to salvation. be the love transcending through the shadows into a higher state of consciousness. We are souls on the journey, opening up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. I am Stacey Musial.
1: And I am Sam Fernandez. And we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. Hop on board the Ascension Bus.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Be The Love, Transcending Through The Shadows. I am Stacey Musial.
1: And I am Sam Fernandez.
0: And we are your co-hosts and souls on the journey. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to begin by inviting you to get centered with us. I would like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out of your mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present in this now moment. And take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy, and breathing out anything you are ready to release. And take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing light and love for yourself, breathing it in through to all of your cells and all of your organs into your entire being and breathe out that light and that love and send it to all of humanity. And remember that you always have your breath to come back to. Today we have Dr. Brent Satterfield. Brent invented DNA testing technologies that have been impacted millions of people in more than 50 countries, including in the COVID-19 pandemic. Following multiple experiences with heaven, he became a student of consciousness, faith, and experiences of God in cultures around the world. He has achieved mastery level in matrix energetics, beta healing, Reiki, and other healing modalities, in addition to studying the techniques of Native Americans, Hindu miracle workers, and Christian street healers. Brent is the author of Faith to Produce Miracles and Bringing Heaven Home. He is a co-founder of the Inner World Movement and is excited to begin developing online courses and gathering a community of like-minded individuals. Welcome Brent, thank you so much for being here today.
2: Thank you, Stacey. It's great to be here.
0: Really great to have you. And so let's just dive in and, and how um, tell us a little bit about how you went from being a DNA scientist in global health to working with energy healing, studying with Hindu miracle workers and beyond.
2: Well, uh, that is a wonderful question.
0: <laughs> and...
2: I've been involved in DNA science for quite a few years. I had an objective for much of my life to try to bring about change in the developing world. I wanted to see people's lives improved. And at one point in my journey, I realized that no matter how much we lowered the cost of healthcare in the developing world, people were still in need. And even if you could just give it away, give it for free to everyone that needs it, um, the quality of life was still poor. But there was something deeper that needed to change to give people their power back, uh, something deeper to help them find joy and love in this life, and to be able to start creating their own circumstances in a way that lifted them out of poverty, that not not just poverty of of finances, but uh, a poverty of mind and of heart and of soul. Mm. And so I became very interested in what would answer that question, because it was clear that science wasn't going to do it. I started asking deeper questions, and I started to have uh, experiences with the other side, similar to your death experiences, where I'd find myself in the presence of the divine and experiencing a a love that was beyond anything that I'd ever known in this life that just completely undid all of my logic, you know, all those years mm-hmm. of training as a PhD, all the logic that's developed, and then you experience this thing that is so much bigger, and suddenly find yourself realizing that... the. <laughs> it's not that your whole life's work was for nothing because it, it, it's still impacting people. I mean, millions of people, but um, that there's more, that we have a bigger legacy as humanity than what a scientist can ever accomplish.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, it seems like, um, you know, as of late, um, a lot of scientists are coming forward with their kind of spiritual beliefs. You know, it seems like that the, you know, uh, way back when science and spirituality were completely separate from each other, you know, and scientists were very, um, you know, if I can't see it, touch it, smell it, create it, whatever, it doesn't exist. Right. And it seems like nowadays, um, you know, more scientists are tapping into more spiritual things. You know, I've, uh, I've heard about, you know, some scientists that are questioning the Big Bang theory now, you know, and are turning it more to like a spiritual kind of awakening of the earth, you know. Um, So I was curious um, for you, how does science and spirituality intersect and coexist harmoniously now?
2: I think that answer has changed over time. For me, science and spirituality have always interconnected. Uh, I mean, even for me, where, where I have a, a conservative Christian mindset background, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm coming out of that, that state where, you know, people kind of go to church and they, they look at the Bible as the way that things are. But even back then, I would always think that the earth and everything in it was a more accurate Bible than the Bible, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it was something that had been written without humans translating. Mm -hmm. And so if scientists could correctly interpret the earth and what was in it, we'd have a better account of what happened and why it happened than any scriptural assessment. Mm -hmm. And so I I always did see that inner connection between science and and spirituality, but it's, it's grown. You know, as the field of quantum sciences has become more prominent, it becomes really easy to start connecting the physical world with the spiritual world, this whole idea that consciousness does affect matter. And even before I really got into studying the, the quantum physics and the mathematics of it, I, I was very interested, I shouldn't say very interested, it's that I had experiences on the other side where I was shown these correlations. And that's what developed my interest in the quantum physics to say, oh, wait a minute, there's actually a science for what Mm. I was shown on the other side. And this is beautiful. And then to discover that there are people all over the world in different cultures teaching these same concepts, uh, these ideas of manifestation, that what we put into our heart goes out into the light and is returned to us as we send it out. And and that's exactly what I was shown on the other side. Mm.
0: That sounds really beautiful. So, really seeing that there really isn't a separation; that the science is proving what we, the unseen worlds, and what we've maybe felt, um, but now we we can actually prove <laughs> through um, the science the science of it. So, I'd like to dive a little deeper into your your newest book, uh, "Bringing Heaven Home." Um, tell us a little bit about that um, what led you to write that book um, about the awakenings that you had and I know you've gone through you had a couple experiences you talk about in the book. Um, can you tell us a little bit about those experiences?
2: Sure. so uh, as I have journeyed from the scientific side of things to the spiritual side, the there have been a series of, experiences I had with the other side, like I said earlier, similar to near-death experiences, mm-hmm. where I found myself out of my body experiencing the divine. And, you know, at first they seemed to conform somewhat with my Christian background, but as I continue to have more experiences, they took me into other cultures and other understandings and to see a much bigger picture mm-hmm. about how global religions fit together, about how culture fits together, about how all of these things work together in creating a global awakening and so but for me personally the decision to write the book it wasn't the experiences themselves uh it was this process of awakening it was this process of understanding that what we are going through the understanding that we're coming to as individuals and as a society it's bigger than any one experience Mm. it's bigger than any one culture there's more to it and so i wanted to um add to the narrative that's in the world right now on the the subject of awakening.
0: Mm. So can you dive a little bit deeper into that. Tell us about what is awakening? What does that really mean for people?
2: So awakening has to do with coming to a deeper understanding of what and who we are, what and who God is or the divine, Mm. what and who others around us are, this relationship between all of these. And for the most part, it is a a deepening inner awareness where we come to realize that we've been living inside of a shell of understandings given to us by society, by our families, by those around us, of of what we are and what we're supposed to think about ourselves, and more Mm -hmm. specifically, what we're supposed to feel about ourselves in different scenarios. And it's a whole host of programming that very few of us ever stop to analyze, mm-hmm. but in any given day, each one of us goes through hundreds of emotions and any given moment, we, we may be experiencing multiple emotions and moving from one to the next in very rapid order without understanding where do these emotions come from? How are they affecting my behavior? Mm-hmm. How are they affecting the life that I'm living? And even deeper than that, how are they affecting the opportunities that are showing up for me? Uh, sometimes we don't connect the way that we feel about ourselves with what's showing up in the world around us. Uh, and so, this process of awakening is becoming aware of all those inner emotions, becoming aware of those inner programs, and becoming aware of the synchronicity between those inner states and the world around us. Mm-hmm. And so, awakening involves the awareness. It also involves the understanding, the comprehension that heals those spaces and allows the world around us to change for the better.
0: Mm. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Um, it sounds like really looking and diving deep at those uh, programs or that shadow work that a lot of us have been you know that we have coming up maybe it's the old patterns of trauma or the depressive patterns or something like that. So what has your experience with been with that and and how do we how do we truly heal those patterns?
2: So in my upbringing (laughs) and all the the kind of church indoctrination that I received, there was this thought that there is a lot of of judgment (laughs) Um, and that if something bad happens in your life, it's because you at some point did something wrong, offended God, and and (laughs) now you're being punished for it. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, early on in my process of awakening, I sat with a whole bunch of people listening to their inner trauma. And I began to notice a pattern that the people who had the worst trauma in their lives, it wasn't very rarely were they doing something that I could call bad, <laughs> even, even by my perspective at that time. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, they had trauma that happened to them you know, when they were two or three years old, and then it was just this repeating cycle that went on and on and on. And so part of this awareness is waking up from the guilt, shame culture mm. that says that what's happening to us is because somehow we're unworthy or we're unloved because it just isn't true. Mm-hmm. In fact, my exp- my experiences on the other side. The biggest thing that hit me right at the beginning and then continuing forward was that there was never any judgment. It didn't matter how badly I felt like I had messed up in my life and my family or in any other space or you know. How badly I was treated in different situations. When I would get there, there was the experience of absolute love, mm-hmm. absolute acceptance, and it completely undid my my entire way of seeing the world, the way of seeing religion, the way of seeing God, and just because I, it was inconsistent mm-hmm. with what I had been taught, completely inconsistent, and because it was just this absolute acceptance. And so, what I began learning is that when we can release the shame. When we become aware that we have been shaming ourselves, um, we we can realize that the shame isn't helping us evolve. It's not helping us as individuals. It's not helping us as a society. We can understand why we've been shaming ourselves. It's almost like a a bat that we're hitting ourselves over the back with trying to force a certain behavior, Um, but it doesn't work. It, It never works. And if you can really look deeply, you'll see that it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And if you can look deeply, you'll also see that it's inconsistent with the nature of what life is, really is. Mm -hmm. And that if we can accept ourselves as deeply as the divine accepts us, if we can love ourselves as deeply as the divine loves us, we will free ourselves from all of these hurts and these shames. And we'll have the capacity not only to believe differently about ourselves or feel differently about ourselves, but to create a different life. Mm -hmm. And that's not just with our hands, but everyone that I have seen who has let go of this idea that they're unworthy and they've embraced a love, an absolute love and Mm self-acceptance, the things that show up in their life change. It starts to reflect this idea that they are loved, that Mm -hmm. they are worthy. They've always been loved. They've always been worthy.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, I, uh, I really, really love um, everything you just said. And, uh, you know, like you and I kind of discussed a little bit b- before um, before the show, I was also brought up in, you know, believing that God is a vengeful God, that God will punish you if you if you don't listen to your parents or, you know, if you don't get straight A's in school or if you don't eat your vegetables or, or whatever. Um, but... Yeah, I, I think, you know, you're, you're completely accurate that, you know, we all have had some sort of trauma happened to us, you know, and the trauma can go back generations, generations, sometimes even lifetimes, you know, um, and it really resonated with me too, that when you were having your, um, you know, your communications with the divine that, that you realize that God is love you know, that, that God is not vengeful, God is not hateful, God is not spiteful, you know, that God is just pure, unconditional love. And, um, you know, if if God has that kind of love for us, then we have that kind of love for ourselves as well, because we are made in God's image, right? We are pieces of, of God. Um, and also, in the first part of your book, you do talk about how God is love. Um, so, and I, I know, you know, uh, my, my opinion about that, but can you talk a little bit about what this does mean and how we can tap into this power beyond our ego, beyond, you know, the, the spitefulness, beyond the things that we're telling ourselves? Um, yeah, can you just kind of go into a little bit more with that?
2: Sure. One of the difficulties with any religious group Uh, and I'm not just referring to Christians here, but any religious group saying that God is love or the divine is love is the word love itself. Because when we communicate with each other, we're using words, which words we have attached understanding to based on our experiences. So if I say love, every person listening to the show has a a completely different understanding of what that word means Mm -hmm. based on the experiences they had with their parents, with their caregivers, um, with their, their teachers, with society, Uh, the the TV shows they've watched, like all of those things go into creating an experiential understanding of the word love. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that none of those things have any bearing on what that word means in a heavenly state. And so for me, um, I've had uh, several experiences and in each one, there has been the presence of this feeling that is so intense, this, this absolute acceptance, embracing, envelopment, Um, safety, uh, like a a sense of everything has purpose, makes sense, um, is there for a reason. It just, it all comes together in such a way that it feels like it felt to me like my soul was on fire and it felt so intense. The joy of it, the absolute envelopment of it was so intense that it felt like if my body had been there, the the molecules in my body would have literally melted, would have come apart at the seams. The atoms couldn't have held together. Mm. And that joy kept growing. It was one of these things where I I would be led through one veil after another, where there there would be another explosion of this intensity, as if in the moments before I'd never felt it. And it just kept getting deeper and deeper. And even after this experience, I was led to understand that I'd only felt like a drop in an infinite ocean Mm. of what there is to experience, to feel, to understand. And it And the bliss wasn't the love, right? But it was there. It was accompanying it. Because the love was so intense, there was also bliss. Um, But the love was this absolute acceptance, this space where there is no fear whatsoever, because there is one understanding that there is nothing you can ever do to fall out of favor, to fall out of grace, to fall out of acceptance. Mm -hmm. In fact, everything in the heavenly space, rather than judging, it seemed like this opposite thing of it was trying to release me from my own judgment. Mm. And so the idea in the book, this whole thing of bringing heaven home, is this recognition that to to have heaven here in the earthly state in our bodies, we have to go through a process of awakening, where we realize the pain and the suffering we feel is not obligatory, Mm. (laughs) it's not God given. Mm-hmm. and that as we come to recognize the source of it as we understand it we can release it and we can begin to feel some of that heavenly joy and that acceptance here mm-hmm. so I, i've now i've gotten completely off focus from what your question was <laughs> i don't even remember what it was it's something
1: about love <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's, that's okay i was uh, you know just asking um you know uh, uh how is god love and i think uh you know, you you explained it so well that um, you know that we we all have a, a different perception of love based on you know how we were raised. You know, um, some of us you know we believe love is through abuse, unfortunately. You know, unfortunately. some of us we believe yeah that love through is through neglect, um, and there are some some of us lucky ones that believe love is through nurturing and through. Um, you know, uh, um, like mentoring and, you know, things like that. Um, but yeah, so you definitely did answer my question (laughs) and you answered it very well. Um, but one thing that you did mention is you brought up heaven and, uh, you know, I know for some people, you know, when I was growing up, you know, heaven was, you know, the God was the guy in the big bushy beard and heaven, you know, was the, in the clouds and the angels were playing the harps, you know, and and that kind of stuff. Um, And I know some people still, still believe that. And there are some people believe that, you know, heaven is what you make of it on earth. You know, that heaven is, is that you create your own heaven, that heaven is, is on earth. It's not when you die, it's here now. Um, So I want to know, For you, what is heaven? For you, is is it you know a physical place that you ascend to? Is it actually a place, a state of mind, which you which you touched on a little bit um, already? So if you could go continue a little bit on what is heaven, and can people create their own?
2: That's beautiful. And (laughs) so, no, I don't believe that heaven's a place. I do believe that when we are in that state of mind, that state of being, that, that there is a place that we experience, but that that is incredibly individualized, fortunately. And if it were not, it wouldn't be heaven because you know, some people, uh, they really like the Northeast with all the cold and, and the culture and everything there. And that's just not my favorite. I would prefer a beach somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so if we all got the same heaven, it would not be heaven. And so the good news is, <laughs> That heaven is the state in which you are loved absolutely and completely in the way that your heart unlocks to its maximum extent. Now, what that looks like for you is going to be totally different than what it looks like for me. How you experience it's going to be different than how I experience it. The, the big thing is, is that we are enveloped by loving intelligence that will do everything to help us awaken to help us experience the fact that we are loved now and we are loved always. And so heaven is both a future concept, a concept that we can awaken to, but it's also a a concept in the present moment because it's something that we are creating even now that through our experience, we can become sufficiently aware that heaven is not a future concept, but something here and now. And and I'm not just referring to, wow, I had a nice day. I'm actually referring to a process whereby um, matter is changed. It, it's like the ultimate realization of the principles behind manifestation. I mean, because most of us, when we think manifestation, we're thinking about let's let's plant some ideas in our heart that maybe creates a better relationship or a new car, or a new house, right. or um, and so there's all these material things. But what we're not understanding is that we we haven't gotten to the root of our own suffering yet. To realize that none of the things that our ego mind creates are going to solve the problems that were created by the ego mind to begin with. It's just going to propagate the problem. And if it does solve the problem, it'll be because we finally wake up and say, wait, (laughs) this isn't working. And what I think is happiness is not happiness. And so there is a point of surrender where we realize that we don't have the capacity in our ego mind to solve the maze, to solve the riddle, to awaken on our own and where we start to surrender to a higher intelligence. And we allow the manifestations that are actually our highest joy, the manifestations that are actually love itself to start to flow through us. And we do see changes in the world around us. We see changes in our physical state. We heal from different circumstances. Uh, And it's, it's not what we would have chosen the day before, but there is learning, there's understanding as we awaken and we realize there's something far more beautiful than staying in the same state that this, this world has been in for thousands of years.
0: Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. Um, I, I had a lot of things come up with that. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, but one of the things that really stood out to me was, okay, so yeah, like, because I think we have that, you know, we've always the idea that heaven is outside of us, but it's really, Within us, and it's what we create within, and and being able to tap into that, maybe that um, present moment, or and I know at, at one point we um, quantum the quantum field was mes- was brought up as well, and so how would one tap into? Well, would you would you equate heaven to the quantum field, and how do we tap into that um, to really go into our our deepest healing and, and, experience that, that kind of love that you're talking about?
2: So when most people describe heaven, they're talking about the experience of it. So really what we're describing is the return of awareness to what already is. And this, this is the whole idea of awakening is that we are becoming aware of something that has always been there. We're starting to penetrate the illusion. We're starting to pierce it, to see things as they are. And As far as the similarities between heaven and and the quantum field we are in the quantum field right now everything that that we're experiencing is in that field Um, and so you could call that heaven if heaven were a place because we're already in that place Mm -hmm. but the problem is is a lot of us right now are still suffering and you know even to the extent that if that we've begun to have awakening experiences and begun to experience something more than ourselves uh, most of us still, day in and day out, have a lot more suffering than we have joy. There, there are <laughs> there are periods of joy, but there's periods of dang it, this this, <laughs> this person cut me off in traffic, or my job's not treating me well, or uh, um, my partner, you know, did something that upset me. There's just all these things that upset us, and so, yes, the quantum field is heaven but it's only experienced as heaven to the degree that the light of our awareness becomes truly present in this moment, that that we start to wake up to what the patterns really are. Mm -hmm. So we cease to feel like a victim Mm -hmm. to our own creations. Mm
0: -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. And, and so how would one, okay. So taking that a little step further too, and, and working within Heaven, as you know, the inner being, and um, how would one utilize that space of joy to maybe create manifestations for their life?
2: So, manifestation everybody wants to know how do I manifest? How do I manifest? And it's a lot simpler than you might think mm-hmm. because manifestation is what happens when you become aware of what your heart truly wants, mm-hmm. it happens with no effort, no technique it just flows. Mm -hmm. And the reason we're always looking for a technique is because we haven't become sufficiently aware of what's in our heart yet to allow it to just flow uninterrupted. Mm -hmm. We're still lying to ourselves. We're still lying to the universe and saying, if I got that car, Mm -hmm. if I got that new relationship, (laughs) I'd be happy. Mm -hmm. And it isn't true because we're still projecting our happiness outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. We haven't woken up to the source of infinite joy within us. Mm-hmm. In my initial experiences with God, um, I felt these, this heavenly space. I described it, that, that the fire in the soul, this eruption of joy, of, of bliss, of connection, of love. Um, and at first I thought it was because I'm in God's presence. And so he's communicating with me and I'm having this, this amazing experience. And as time went on, I began to realize that he was teaching me something more that there was that the difference between that heavenly state and the here and now, and you're going to love this message, I think, Stacy, based on the name of your podcast and your purpose, <laughs> um, is that it, the whole difference was a level of self-kindness. Mm. That here in this world, we're not very kind to ourselves, and maybe we don't think of ourselves as being mean. But every single one of those negative emotions that you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I could get that out of my space. I wish I could get that out of my head. Every single one of those negative emotions is being generated from some self-punitive program inside you. Mm -hmm. If you can identify them, you'll eventually find it and realize, oh, I've been lashing myself and this wasn't anybody else doing this to me. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how mad or mean your ex is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The feelings of negativity aren't them and what they're doing. The feelings of negativity arise inside of us in our space. Likewise, the feelings of heaven arise inside of our space. Mm-hmm. And so, going from being self-punitive in our emotions to providing heavenly context in every moment in an unconditional way—that mm-hmm. it's it's a massive distance if you think about it. But but really, at the same time, it's just one act of self-kindness after another, accumulated over mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. It's a massive amount of self-kindness, an unconditional level of self-kindness to where you can look at anything in your life and say, oh, I'm so grateful I did that. And I had that experience mm-hmm. and that is so beautiful. And then just to have that erupt inside you.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So coming back to your question on manifestation, how do to use this for manifestation If you understand that your soul's purpose in life is not to keep you trapped in this body where you think that you're miserable and life is somehow complete here, Mm -hmm. but if you understand that your soul's purpose is to awaken you to a bliss beyond comprehension, and sometimes that means that your life has to fall apart. Mm -hmm. And if you can really look at that with self-compassion, with self-kindness, with inner awareness, then you can be truly honest with yourself about what it is that your soul is creating and why. Mm -hmm. And if you can get your head in alignment with your heart,
1: Mm -hmm. then
2: everything you put in your heart will, it shows up no effort, no technique. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a, I mean, to the extent that there's a technique it's, it can be summarized as simply as there is an emotion, a feeling that causes your heart to expand. If it's not causing your heart to expand, you don't really want it. Mm. And if you want, I, I can give some examples of that.
0: Please do. Um,
1: Please, yes.
2: Okay. So I, I met with this woman who was a Reiki master down in Corpus Christi, and she's explaining to me that her manifestations just aren't happening. She's like, I'm trying to manifest more clients. And energetically speaking, I, cause at this point, after having enough experiences of the other side, after spending enough hours in meditation, self-awareness, you, you can start to feel what other people are feeling. You can start to feel the energy where it's flowing, where it's not. And I'm like, you're lying to yourself. And she's like, no, I really do. I want more clients. And I'm like, then why does the energy of that feel like it's making you miserable?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And she's like, well, because I don't really, <laughs> she, she fessed up. She's like, I don't really want more clients because if I teach like, you know, four or five people in a day, then it starts to feel like work. It starts to feel heavy. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm feeling. I'm like, that's Mm -hmm. why it's not manifesting because you hate it. Mm -hmm. You're trying to tell yourself you you want it, but you don't, you hate doing this. It's not that she hates teaching or or doing Reiki. She loved it for two sessions a day, but once it hit three or four, it became work. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, so you're not being honest with yourself you cannot manifest whenever you're lying to yourself. So I I asked her, okay, well, what is it that you do want? She's like, well, what I really want is money. And I'm like, well, that's a step forward because there's not like hatred around money, but there's no actual positive emotion here. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so what do you want the money for? So we're going deeper and deeper into this, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I want the money so that my husband and I can take a trip to Europe. And now for the first time in everything she said, it went from complete BS to neutrality to now there's a heart expanding feeling. Yeah. And we cannot manifest when we're trying to bullshit the universe. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. It doesn't matter how many times we repeat it to ourselves and put it in the mantra. Um, if we are lying to ourselves in the universe, it's not going to happen because the law of manifestation has to do with a joy that causes your heart to expand. So if you're not feeling that, get back in your space and get honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. What is it that would cause your heart to expand? What is it that would cause you to feel love for absolutely no reason other than you are loved? Mm -hmm. And The second piece of this, the manifestation technique, if there's a technique is just as simple, it's it's letting go. And people fight with the letting go thing day in and day out. And the reason they can't let go is because they haven't done their healing yet. They're still in a space of need. I mean, if if we talk about like the car example again, of like, I I want want this car. And we're, we're so fixated on having the car because we still think our happiness is outside of ourselves it's the moment when you do the internal healing and become aware that you're whole without that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, a lot of times this happens by, by having a deep meditation, I'm envisioning having that experience and I envision it to the point that I, I mean, there's tears coming out of my eyes and I'm coming out of it saying, thank you God for letting me have that experience. And all of a sudden I no longer care if it happens in the real world because I have felt it so deeply in my inner space. that it's, it's like, I just went to a buffet I am fed. I am stuffed. And the idea of food right now just makes me sick. Mm -hmm. So there's no need to experience it anymore in the physical world. So letting go happens without trying Mm -hmm. because we have healed our inner space. Mm -hmm. So if you can have an experience where you're thinking about something that really causes your heart to expand, then you know that you're not lying to yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you can allow yourself to go into an inner state and feel it and experience it until all the parts of you that say that you're not worthy, let go. And you mm-hmm. feel that release inside. Again, your mm-hmm. heart's expanding. There's joy. Um, letting go is not, there's no technique to it. It just happens. So it's almost like the description of the techniques and manifestation aren't like so that you can go out and do it. Mm-hmm. It's just this, these are the signs that show up when you're in that space, when, when, you're, when you're doing it. And it, mm-hmm. it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. without us thinking about it. Um, but it's just a matter of, of, we want to bring our conscious minds into connection with the heart. So we feel like we're we're participating, we're contributing, yeah. but you've got to be honest with yourself.
0: Absolutely. that That's really just beautifully said because I think, you know, we, there's a pattern that I've seen, you know, just with, um, well, with that, you know, the shame and guilt cycle that you were mentioning and, and just the feeling of worthiness and going through, you know, some of that healing and recognizing that we are all deserving we're all worthy and and it's it's when when you tap into those deeper feelings and you start to heal those things and are going beyond our cultural norms or our cultural conditioning of what we feel like what we've been told we can have or what they you know if there's enough of this or enough of that including love right um there's these conditions that we we've been i think sometimes conditioned to meet but recognizing when we can really tap into that, that love and, and feel it, you know, from that deep level, and, and we can really tap into what we want. I know in, in my own experience, um, you know, going back with that example of, you know, um, just the more clients and, and things I I remember I was trying to sell my house back in uh, last year. And so I there was part of me that really wanted to sell my house. And then there was this other part of me that I didn't really tap into um, until I did some energy work around it, that um, I was still hanging on to my house. And so I had like offers that, you know, it... I'd get an offer and then they'd back out, you know, so there's this energy that was there. And, um, and then I realized I, there were some things I was still holding on onto. Um, my son had just moved out of the house and I was still kind of holding on to that, you know, for, for him. And, um, but then once I let go of that energy, I was able to sell my house. And so it was, you know, I was had to be really honest and let go of some of that, but um, it's definitely, yeah, being truthful. And when you're, cause when you're truthful, you, you you align with your soul and your purpose and then your life uh flows freely um that's really beautiful and and so um i know you know going into that deep joy that we all have the potential to to tap into um and so you said and and um at one point um and and that um we can all come into that state of joy and bliss beyond comprehension the explosion of hearts I I believe is what what you had said um and so I'm wondering if you can talk about that That that's just such like a beautiful vibration of energy that visualization just sounds just beautiful um so I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about what that means um the exploding of hearts and can you describe what that felt like for you and um and how can others tap into that kind of energy for their own personal awakening.
2: Thank you, Stacey. So the the second experience in my book, I was out of my body for a period of hours. And if you've ever talked to somebody who's had an out-of-body experience, whether in a near-death experience or otherwise, um, one of the things they'll tell you is that the learning takes place at a much accelerated rate we're no longer limited by the mortal mind. (laughs) And so it feels like getting to be not just plugged into the internet, but being the internet. And that awareness can take place in multiple places at the same time. And so I'd be having a conversation with somebody on the other side. And at the same time, my brain, not my brain, my, my being is like searching out all these different tangents on what's being said and downloading, you know, just pages and pages of information on it, understanding it all in parallel, and then still keeping pace in the conversation. And so the conversations were almost less important than this experiential vision that would take place behind the conversation. And so at one point I was talking with Jesus and he was showing me the transition of the earth, only it didn't look like what I might've thought from my Sunday school lessons. It didn't look like that really at all. I mean, there were elements, I mean, cause the earth changes and it rises and, but what he was showing me is that there is a, a unified consciousness, if you would, around throughout the earth, that there, there is a, um, that, that consciousness is more shared than what most people think it is. And so all of these beliefs we're talking about, these um, self punitive beliefs, they're shared by humanity. And they're part of what's actually creating the appearance of distance between us and the experience of the divine in this moment. And so as any individual, any one of us listening to the show, anybody in the world, wherever they're at, Uh, Whether in prayer or meditation or just, just in thought, we have those moments where we realize we're more than we are. We go a little bit deeper. We see behind some of these programs, understand them, release them, do some healing in them. And every person that does that, whether in a dramatic way like I was in a heavenly vision or just in that space of meditation, they're poking holes in this construct that's separating us from the divine. And as more people poke holes in that construct, the construct weakens. And so what he showed me is that in every culture, there were people poking holes. And that at some point, this construct separating us from the divine became so weak that it it couldn't hold its its structural integrity anymore. And it, it collapsed, it came down. And when it did, everybody who was left on the earth came into that heavenly presence all at once. So, so going back to the earlier question, not necessarily a place, but awareness, awareness returning to, Oh, wow, this is beautiful, right where we're at. And we don't need anything else because this is joy, love bliss beyond measure. So to me, what it looked like that experience of my soul on fire, so intense where all of the molecules were melting. And as I would come through another veil, there'd be an explosion taking me that much higher in joy than what I'd just been in. It was a feeling like the whole earth did that, Mm -hmm. that, that not just the people, but the earth itself, Mm -hmm. like everything inside of it came through into that awareness at once. And what I also saw is that there were people across the face of the earth who had done enough purification that they were not just aware of their own joy, their own immense love, but they were feeling empathically, if you would, and, and it's beyond em- empathy. It's, it's more than that. It was, they were feeling everybody else's joy too. So it became exponential. It just, it amplified.
0: Yeah, that sounds just beautiful. And, and so when, um, and, and can you tell me like, or tell us like how one could potentially really tap into that energy of, you know, feeling that exponential uh, bliss?
2: So right now, each and every one of us have an invitation. That invitation isn't it isn't from what I'm saying. It's something that's been in your heart already. You've been hearing it. Mm. And that invitation is a call to awaken. Mm. It's a call to realize what you came into this world to do. We're part of a generation which is intended to see through the illusions of past generations. Mm to see through the veils created by the different religions and societies of the earth, to connect with something much deeper. Mm. And so the question is, which of us are going to start listening to that inner voice more than we listen to the voices of the world around us, more than we listen to the voices of our family, of our society? And it's, it's a tough thing to do because everything inside of us, our our bodies have been bred basically for survival. And so when you start thinking in terms of awakening, you're, you're looking at a deeper intelligence, which has an interest in something beyond survival. So all of these survival programs of keep your head down, stay low, you know, don't, don't make waves. (laughs) Um, They're all going to get challenged. And none of us are exempt from that process. It's an intense process. I don't care which um, background you're coming out of. I don't care what your traditions are that you're carrying, but the process of waking up from them is intense. And as each one of us does that, we are doing the work for our family lines, for our cultures and our societies. And so one of the other things I saw on the other side is that it takes all of us. This isn't something that just Stacy can do, or just Sam can do, or just I can do, or, or any any number of people in this world. It's We are doing it together. And every person who accepts the invitation to look beyond their, their programming, to start generating self-awareness, to start releasing that knot of consciousness so that they can experience moment-to-moment love, every person who engages in that is lightening the load for the whole earth mm-hmm. it is the people who have done that work who are going to experience the most joy because their self-awareness is already in a space where they're going to be able to see what's happening and everybody else who is spontaneously awakening
1: mm-hmm. i uh that really um, kind of gets me right in the heart too. That um, you know, our our awakenings aren't individualized. You know, it's 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 awakening of the collective, right? And um, that's one thing that you know I've I've um, had to learn kind of the hard way, you know, trial and error going through going through my crap to <laughs> to realize that yeah, I'm not I'm not alone in this awakening. You know, it's not just you know me um trying to to level up basically you know it's 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 a collective thing um it is it is a collective thing throughout you know the entire earth and and beyond you know so um one thing though i do want to ask you in your book you do mention the key of awakening heaven on earth requires perspective of both the east and the west what do you what exactly do you mean by that
2: so there is There are a lot of pieces to this puzzle. (laughs) And each one of us are kind of gathering and sorting through the pieces that we've been given by our ancestors and by our culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for the earth as a whole to arise, for the whole thing to come through, we need the pieces of all the cultures. And one of the things that I experienced on the other side, this was a shock to me because I've always had the the mindset that like, okay, there's, there's one divine experience and like, And whether that's like a a Christian mindset or a Western mindset of of you come into a presence of the external God and there's like a a physical heaven there, or whether it's an Eastern mindset of we dissolve back into the, the the light and the bliss and um, are just in that space um, that it's going to be one or the other, that, that you can't have multiple things going on. And when I first started having these experiences each one was so intense, so comprehensive that you'd come back feeling like, wow, I saw it all. And, and this is the truth. <laughs> but then after you have a few of them, you realize, oh, my goodness, I have no idea what's going on. And <laughs> it's just so much bigger. And so then you're, you're you're trying to piece together these puzzles or these puzzle pieces and to realize that heaven didn't look at all like what I was ex- expecting. Um Instead of being just a place or experience it was like a collective. It was um, it was all of these different ways in experiencing, and like the old. Hindu parable about the six blind men and the elephant where, where the blind men encounter an elephant for the first time and, and they're arguing with each other and saying, you know, an elephant's like a, a tree trunk. You know, it says the one that's touching the leg and the other one's got the tail. Like, no, it's not, it's like a snake. And the other one who's got the tusk is like, no, it's like a spear. And they're each arguing with each other and it's their own experience that makes them all the more blind. And what I was seeing in these experiences of heaven is that it was one of the reasons that religions argue with each other so much is that they are having real experiences. Sometimes we discount them because we're like that's not my experience so they've got to be wrong. And that's part of the problem is we can't put all the puzzle pieces together as long as we're discounting very real experiences that people in the world are having. Mm. And each one of those cultures it's almost like they're safeguarding um, a, a particular perspective of heaven particular perspective of the divine that is necessary. Or, or I shouldn't say necessary, but, but incredibly helpful, but maybe it is necessary to, to piece the thing together. So I almost compare it to like the parts of a car where, you know, the the Buddhist experience of the divine, it, it's a process of releasing all narrative, personal, global narrative, and entering to a space where it's narrative free. And it feels a little bit like the clutch of the car where you can put it in neutral. Mm-hmm. And that's great. That's a beautiful skill to know how to put your car into neutral. But if that's the only skill you have, the car's not moving anywhere. Hinduism um, has a little bit different feel to it, where where if you step into the dissolution into causeless bliss, it feels a lot like stepping on the gas pedal of the car. There is a tremendous amount of energy and joy for no reason whatsoever. Uh, You know, like the new age thoughts on manifesting. Um, there's a lot like having the steering wheel and <laughs> we can direct this thing. <laughs> we, it's not just um, joy without, you know, or causes bliss. It's, it's, um, it's direction. We can move it. And, you know, like the, some of the Western theology with an external God, like Christianity, it's a little bit like having a GPS. There's directionality because even if you have this vehicle, um, if you're still driving it with your ego mind, where the heck are you going to end up? Mm -hmm. we're just going to keep creating more of the same problems. Mm -hmm. And so at some point we have to surrender our own thoughts of what this should look like Mm -hmm. and become aware that there is a loving intelligence. There is something more than our own mind Mm -hmm. and be able to surrender our manifestations to what we have not yet envisioned Mm -hmm. to what is more beautiful than what we've ever seen thought or considered to open our heart to that and allow that to manifest. Yeah. So it's, it's as we take each of these perspectives, each of these understandings and start to assemble them together, that the full car, that the full vehicle comes together. And we have the capacity to really move through this life in the way that, that we were intended to do. And it's, it's not wrong to have groups of people who are focused on just the clutch or just the gas pedal uh, because we need them. We need each of these groups. They hold uh, certain understandings in a, in a purity, in a pure form, and we need those. It's, it's like having manufacturers of the clutch and manufacturers of the gas pedal. And, but at some level, there are people, and it may be some of those listening to this podcast, who say, you know what? It'd be really fun to put those together, <laughs> to have the complete thing. And, and that's what I'm talking about, is that at some level, there have to be a few of us who decide to put the puzzle together not just look at the puzzle pieces by themselves but see the whole thing
0: yes absolutely i agree um because i think we've gotten so conditioned to believe that you know we're, you know there's christianity over here hinduism you know judaism or whatever right and 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 there's wars that break out you know and and things that are happening but instead we all Have a piece to that puzzle, and that we can all come together in this beautiful place of oneness. And so, I think you know, when when we are in that three dimensional duality where it's either or, I'm right versus you're wrong versus you know, um, that creates so much friction. But when we can really come into that place and say, okay, well maybe like we all have a piece of this, and how can we help our world ascend? And so I think, you know, as we are continuing to ascend, um, even in, you know, the, the five dimensional, and we're coming into more of this love place, um, I think w- with the awakening that is occurring on the planet, you know, more people are tapping into maybe some of that, that feeling of oneness, but there's, you know, a process that goes along with that. And there's a still a lot of, um, you know, that illusion of separation and, you know, and, and so when we go into that ego mind, that you know, that really creates the separation for a lot of people. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, the illusion of separation from God and each other, and maybe how how this process or how your path has shown you to recognize maybe the oneness in the world that's really truly available to all of us.
2: There is an evolution in human thought. And psychologists have put together a model called adult development theory. And it's this idea that as we progress, we go through different ways of relating to ourselves and the world around us. And it it turns out that it also affects the way that we relate to the divine. And so there are moments where group identity is very important for us in our development. To, to identify with a particular um, religion or spiritual path or understanding, um, that that it's healthy, it's helpful. What's unhealthy is that we have not been taught as a society that we are to grow beyond that. That yes, uh, unite with your particular group, but then let's move through it. In, in Christian tradition, Uh, the the book of Revelation is commonly thought of as this vision of what's going to happen when the world goes from 3D to 5D, right? Um, And in that, there is a city, which is a city of one heart and one mind. And the city has 12 entrances to it, 12 paths leading into the city. And the understanding that I've been led to have is that each of us unites with our particular group, the way that that we feel the most love <laughs> and experiencing the divine. And, and I don't care if that's, um, you know, Hinduism or Buddhism or Christianity or, or, you know, you name it. It doesn't matter. Um, what matters is that you are honoring what's in your heart, that you are learning to experience what you came here to experience that you are loving yourself, that you are loving others, that you're providing space for yourself to have this experience and in doing so providing space for everybody else to have theirs. But there is this thought that once we come through the gate, once we begin to experience unity within our own group, that we have the capacity to continue to develop, to experience unity with those of other mindsets. So it's not something that we necessarily have to do all of it today. It's like going through school you you don't start with calculus on day one. You start just with what are the numbers? (laughs) And then you learn how to add them, subtract them. And and it's a gradual process where you move through this. And so the idea of becoming one with everybody today, it's a little bit like trying to dive right into calculus on a spiritual level. We have so many programs inside of us that just, they don't allow for us to just jump in. Uh, So honor the space that you're in, honor where you're at. And we develop unity one person at a time. Mm. We develop it within our families, within our social group, within our community. Start there. Start small. Mm. Learn how to love where you're at. Be patient with yourself. Because I mean, there are those moments when people do things. You're like, I can't stand that person. Now, we know (laughs) that at some point, we reach the point where we comprehend in such a way that there is this absolute love and acceptance across all groups and political parties and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But today, see if you can start within your own. Mm -hmm. Start where you can and start with unity in your own heart. Because you can't be one with other people until you can love yourself. You can't be kind to other people until you can be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. So start there with self-awareness and allow the process to unfold. Because it's not you that is creating this transition of the earth. It is the divine mind. It is the divine space that is more you than you, that is creating you in this moment, that's creating this transition. So all your role is, is to show up and let go. Let it be more than what you expect it to be. Because it's not the ego mind that's creating it. It's something deeper. And if we can all just have a little bit of, and it's not even all of us, but I mean, just in the limited context of groups like this right here, where we're having this conversation, if those listening can just become a little bit more aware, surrender just a little bit more of their own thoughts to this deeper joy, that has a ripple effect across the whole of humanity. And what I was shown is it impacts the way the transition happens it doesn't have to happen any one way. The script is not set. Mm -hmm. The biblical description of how it's going to happen with all this destruction and apocalypse and everything else Mm -hmm. is if we don't wake up. (laughs) That's what happens in the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, But it doesn't describe better case scenarios or even a potential best case scenario. And if even a few of us, like leavening that's hidden in the meal, that's hidden in the in the flower. If we can begin to hope to allow our hearts to release the programs of this world to see things shifting, then it can raise the whole. Again, it was just another thing that I was shown <clears throat> that there were, it wasn't every person on the face of the earth who was who was penetrating to have these understandings. It was just here and there, dots across the face of the earth, and they were like lights. And what I saw is that. These individuals, by virtue of connecting with heaven, I mean, that this space of joy, of love, of acceptance, and then bringing it back into their bodies, that because our bodies are connected to the matter in this earth, that each one of us, as we go through that transition, changing the programming in our bodies, it raises the earth as a whole. Mm -hmm. We're having an impact on every other person in this world. Consequently, we are having an impact on the transition. So the day and the time of this explosion of the hearts and of us coming through, it's not set yet because we're still creating it. We are co-creating it with the divine through our surrender, through our release, through allowing something <clears throat> more beautiful than what our ancestors thought could happen. And that's wonderful. That's not us messing it up. It's actually us waking up. That's
1: uh wow. That's, that's really just I don't even know. I don't even know if there's words for, for um, everything that you just said, but that you know, it's 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 just incredible and it's beautiful. Just the you know how you keep you know just touching on the unity of man, you know the unity of all of us, and uh, that you're right. I mean, I'm I'm sure probably all of our listeners know and understand that it all starts within. You know, you, it, like you said, in order to love, you, you must love yourself. In order to be kind to others, you must be kind to yourself. In order to be generous to others, you must be generous to yourself. And uh, and when you start doing that, that's when, you know, the the paths open up to the city of mind and heart, like you were saying. And um, I just think, you know, for, for me, I could definitely say this for me. And, and I think for our listeners, too, you know, there are so many there's so many things out there right now. So many guided meditations, so many, you know, life coaches, so many, you know, spiritual people, Reiki practitioners and all this, and they all have something to give and it's wonderful, but it's all, it it could get very overwhelming and confusing to figure out, you know, where am I going to go to, to get what I need? And, um, you know, you, you said it perfectly. It starts within, you know, it, it, it all starts within it's don't, it's, it's, it's good to look to outside sources for, you know, for guidance or coaching or something, but the real change starts from within, you know? And I just, I find that so just beautiful and so amazing and just, ah, it, it gives, it just empowers me, you know? Um, and one thing you you keep t- talking about, you know, the, the messages that you're getting. And I know um, a, little, a little while ago, you mentioned Jesus. And, uh, you know, uh, when I grew up, you know, jesus was the head of the christian church you know and that that's was pretty much it you know and he walked on water and he healed the blind and that kind of stuff right um it's not until just recently i'm learning about christ consciousness you know and how jesus was love i mean when jesus was around there was there was really no religion it was him and it was his his love and his guidance and and, and all that. And I'm, you know, I'm finding that to be just the more I learn about it, the more just in awe I kind of am. So um, one question I did have for you is with your, with your talks with Jesus, what is the most surprising thing you learn about Jesus now compared to tr- the traditional thoughts you had? And what do you think he would want the people of the earth to know today?
2: Thank you, Sam. <laughs> So this goes back to the conversation we were having in the beginning when you were discussing, you know, your, your childhood growing up in a Christian setting and thinking, okay, this is a punitive God we're dealing with, and so I had those kinds of thoughts that um, uh, that there are that that there's an accounting for the things that we've done wrong in our lives, and we're going to have to see them and mourn over them and wish we hadn't done those things, and there's regret and you know fire and wailing and then maybe if everything has worked out well then then maybe i'll eke into heaven somehow so <laughs> <laughs> the my experience with him was so different because you know like the, the biblical scripture when they describe him he's always really serious or he's crying or but the the things that i experienced that most surprised me first off were the overwhelming love and acceptance that, that he was more concerned about my well-being than he was about my actions. <clears throat> he was more concerned about my growth in love than he was about my religion. <laughs> I, he was love itself. And I got the sense that it wouldn't have mattered what, what race I was, what gender I was, what sexual preference I was, what religion I was, that it would remain the same that he would have received me and loved me completely. Now, I don't know that everybody that comes through to the other side uh, meets him or needs to meet him. Uh, but for me, it was very important coming out of a Christian background. It was just this, this incredibly validating um, space to be in. So first off was just this idea that there was no judgment, that he he did give me a life review. But it wasn't to say, oh, you shouldn't have done that. And don't you feel ashamed? That's like the stuff that your parents would do. You know, that, that's, that's nonsense. It doesn't happen on the other side. The life review wasn't to shame me. It was to release me from shame that I couldn't let go of on my own. Because you're in that space feeling so much love and so much expansion. And he's like, let me help you feel more by letting go of these anchors that are still holding you down. Let me show you how I see it so that you can see that not only were these moments that you thought were catastrophic failures, unfixable, not only were they not bad, but they're actually something in them that that forms the underpinning to the beauty that's unfolding in front of you right now. Like there was meaning in them. And, and if you could take any moment in your life and say, thank you, God, that I had that experience, it's the one that you hate the most. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not even kidding. It's, I mean, seriously. So that was one of the first big things is no judgment whatsoever, completely undid my understanding of um, religion. The second one, I think with him was, he laughs, <laughs> and that his laughter is healing, amazingly healing. It just has the power to take away all of the pain and the shame and everything else and dissipate it in just a moment. Mm-hmm. And so God laughs. Humor is beautiful. Heaven is happy. (laughs) Um, And then as far as something that he might say to the world today or might want to say is that you're loved. It doesn't matter where you are at in your life right now. Doesn't matter how much society has shamed you or even religion in his name has shamed you. You are loved. And that there is room for every person, every path, every understanding that they're all important and they're beautiful. They're all understood.
0: That, yes, absolutely. I um, you know, it comes back down to you know recognizing our humanness. We're here to learn, we're here to grow, and we're all we all make mistakes, you know, and I think when we take our humanness out of it, it—that's where that that shame and guilt comes from, and like we're not, you know, and then those hidden things, and you know, we we hide things that were shameful because we until we start opening up these conversations and say, oh yeah, well I've felt like that before, or you know I've experienced this, but you know, it, we it's always been hidden you know from from our view because there's all all that shame but when we can bring it up and and recognize that no matter the mistakes we we are love that is our true essence and so that is just a beautiful message
2: yeah um, it's it's the feeling that there are no mistakes mm-hmm. the only mistakes are the ones that we refuse to learn from mm-hmm. <laughs> and we yeah, refuse to let go of the shame on <laughs>
0: And even at that point when we refuse to learn from it's at some point we recognize that it's good it keeps coming up, right? It For does. a reason. And then we it finally, does. you know, say, Oh, maybe I should look at this, hopefully, you know. This, As everyone. eternal beings,
2: there are no mistakes that we don't eventually learn from. So there are no mistakes.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's really beautiful. Thank you, for, thank you so much for sharing all of that and, and just you. being here today and, and sharing um, this beautiful message of, you know, that love. And I think, you know, I think it, it validates. It's very validating for people to really, you know, hear that oh, we are all at our essence, at our core, at our, just our humanness, just being alive is, you know, reason enough to just know that we are loved. We don't need yes. anything beyond that. Okay. So thank you. So, so Brent, tell our listeners how they can find you and what, you, what you're currently working on right now.
2: So any of the listeners that want to read more about the experience, they've had some of the observations and that process of awakening, uh, they can get my latest book, Bringing Heaven Home by Dr. Brent Satterfield. It's on Amazon. It's paperback and Kindle. And hopefully it'll be available in audio form soon. Uh, to follow what I'm doing, I they can find me at innerworldmovement.com. Also on Instagram or Facebook, InnerWorldMovement. And right now I'm working with a group of people to cultivate programs to develop awareness. It's it's one of those things Sam was saying earlier that you know you've got Reiki professionals and you've got therapists and uh, different teachers of all sorts sharing ideas on awakening and how to move forward. And we're doing the same. It's just because, you know, where people are looking for a place to start to develop self-awareness, to uh, gain tools, to be able to work through some of those processes. And we're hoping to off- offer a little bit more of a multicultural perspective um, to give more different kinds of tools, different kinds of options, different kinds of perspectives. And what I would say to anybody that's just wanting to go down that path is just reiterate what Sam said, it start inside Mm -hmm. and listen to your heart. All too often um, in in the path of ascension, we, we start looking to other people and other people can help, but they can never be a substitute for what the light inside of you is saying and time that you start to put somebody else in place of the light inside of you you'll find yourself off on a path that isn't exactly where you wanted to be mm-hmm. so just stay aware of what's what your heart's telling you and if, if that's to connect with us wonderful we'd love to hear from you um, if, and if that's to be somewhere else go there learn what you're in this life to learn trust your heart
0: mm-hmm. trust your soul your your heart I love it Definitely. Well, thank you so much for for being here with us today and sharing your experience and your wisdom with us. And thank you for listening to our show. Stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And if you like this show, share the love by sharing it with your friends. And if you'd like to support the work that we're doing, please consider making a donation to our show by visiting our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast. And of course, we are always welcoming reviews on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. And until next time, love yourself, love each other, and love the world. We love you guys. Thank you. Bye. Love you
1: guys. Thank you. Take care. We'll talk to you later. Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. And thank you, Chrissy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphics.
0: And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey. And thank you for hopping on the Ascension bus with us. And remember... There is always a seat for you.